morning everyone and a very warm welcome to worship at Hillhead no matter where we are this morning. Our service will be led by our minister Katrina and our preacher this morning is one of our own members the Reverend Dr Lena Toth. Our musicians are Paul on keyboard and Yang Yang on violin and Jeff will lead us in the Lord's Prayer in Welsh. In a moment or two Bonnie and her family will be lighting our candle and we are all invited to do the same if we'd like to. Then this afternoon, big news, Sunday School will meet in the Botanic Gardens for a scavenger hunt and games. Please gather at the Kibble Palace at 2.30pm. So that's 2.30pm at the Kibble Palace if you want to join in the scavenger hunt and games. And I'm guessing Emma and Bethany, you're happy to have other adults alone to help if they'd like to come and play and supervise. So um, I think meeting at the Kibble Palace is a great idea. Um, it's a, the most obvious building in the Botanic Gardens. If you haven't been there before, it's the one that looks like a flying saucer. And uh, I'm sure you'll have a lovely afternoon. The weather forecast for the afternoon is good. So have lots of fun. Tonight at 7pm, our evening service on Zoom will be led by Robin Green and Christine Johnston. And this is the fourth in their series on a new translation of the Gospel of Mark. Then just a wee reminder that the Baptist Union of Scotland's online assembly, which is called Canopy, takes place over next weekend. You'll remember that we highlighted some really excellent seminars on the climate crisis, which will be taking place on the Saturday. All the details are in the September key and they'll also be in the October key, which should drop into your inbox later this week. Now, though, it's time for Bonnie to light our candle. So it's over to you, Bonnie. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's lights this day.
And having sung God's praises, let's come to God in prayer. We pray together. God, who is love, we approach you now as one week ends and another begins. As we do so, we bring with us all the experiences that have filled our days. Great or small, mundane or significant, positive or negative or something else entirely. In these moments, help us to open our hearts and minds to you, to name what it is that we bring. Facts or feelings, compliments or criticisms, Laughter or lament, or something that only we know. And as we do so, help us to offer all of these to you, to be authentic in expressing grief or gratitude, regret or rejoicing, confusion, or comprehension, or whatever it else it is that we need to name and to share. We thank you for all that has been life-giving and awe-inspiring. For the moments, however fleeting, when we have smiled or laughed, gained new insight or understanding, glimpsed what might be, or felt just a little bit more in tune with you. As we worship, as we listen for your voice, and then as we return to the everyday, May we do so reminded that you are always with us and that you love us. Amen. Keed with you. Ain't hard, but who knew it in a nevoid? Sanctivia de Enu. Dele de Deernas, Gunilier de Wallis, Megison and Eve, Bethier of Thyer Hevid. De ruini heddi o ein bara bainyddiol, a maddai ni ein dyledion fel y myddiwn unnau un dyledwyr. Ac nac arwain i i brofedigaeth, eithi'r gwared ni rhag drwg, canes eiddo tiwr deinas ar nerth ar gogoniant, yn oes oes oedd. Amen. Thank you.
reading from the book of Romans, chapter 16. The Apostle writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Cancray, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints, and help her in whatever she may require from you. For she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, who work with me in Christ Jesus, and who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epanitus, who was the first convert in Asia for Christ. Greet Mary, who has worked very hard among you. Greet Andronicus and Junior, my relatives who are in prison with me. They are prominent among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my relative. Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Trephina and Trephosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus chosen in the Lord, and greet his mother, a mother to me also. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrovas, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who were with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you.
Well, good morning, sisters and brothers. Depending on how much you've been around for Sundays over this past month, you may or may not have noticed that during the month of September, we've been focusing on certain aspects of Baptist identity, what it means for us to call ourselves Baptist believers, and what that name means for us. We dedicated, we dedicated a month for this theme, but we could have easily spent a whole year. We could indeed spend a whole year looking at what it means to be a Baptist. At the Baptist College, where Ian and I teach, we have a module called Baptist Perspectives on Being a Church. Uh, that runs for 12 weeks, and that never feels long enough to explore Baptist identity. Baptist churches and Baptist life is so diverse, even across Scotland, and even more so across the world. And we often have very strong opinions about what it means to be a Baptist and indeed about everything else. Uh, there is a joke that Baptists sometimes tell about themselves. Where there are two Baptists, there will be three opinions. And it's good to be able to laugh about ourselves. That's, that's I think, a healthy sign. Though clearly the joke also points out to the risk that we carry. So in the beginning of September, Katrina started us off by speaking about what the Baptist unions on this island call the Declaration of Principle. And that Declaration of Principle is a simple three-point statement. The first point of which says that the Lord Jesus is the church's sole and absolute authority. And it also says that each congregation has the freedom to interpret and administer his laws, the laws of Christ. Compared to some other denominations and traditions, this is a breathtaking amount of freedom that each individual church can practice. No wonder that in their early days, Baptists were considered to be way too dangerous to be allowed to practice their faith. And then a couple of weeks ago, Ian spoke on how we practice such freedom, how we as Baptists discern together what we believe to be the mind of Christ, what it is that he would have us do or believe. So we considered the importance of listening to God and listening to each other, which also means wanting to hear not only those in our own community, but also other congregations. Such an emphasis on communal discernment is what partly explains Baptist diversity, because we expect to continue to hear new things from God, learn new things and adopt new things as we travel on our Christian journey together. That is also why Baptists today look very differently from the early Baptists of 17th century but they're still very much Baptist if they remain committed to the conviction that God works through each one of us and through all of us together as we respond to God's call to be God's witnesses in this world. Last Sunday, we had a joint service with uh, two other churches, and that was a wonderful illustration of the interconnectedness which uh, we've been speaking about. 
And today we'll see it extends even further. In fact, those of you who were present for our service on the 4th of July, which feels like a long time back, doesn't it? Or perhaps you listened to the recording of that service later. You might recall that it was another joint service. That time it was with Denny Baptist Church. And on that occasion, Alan Donaldson and his sermon offered a suggestion that we Baptists should celebrate a Baptist Interdependence Day. The latest news from Alan himself is a good illustration of such Baptist interdependence. Just yesterday, at the annual gathering of the European Baptist Federation, Alan was installed as the Federation's new General Secretary. Now, this may be the first time you're hearing about a thing called the European Baptist Federation, uh, or the EBF. So allow me to say just a couple of words about it. It is a body that unites Baptist believers in 52 countries, all the way from Portugal to Russia's Far East and from Norway all the way to Egypt. As European Baptists, clearly we have a um, peculiar understanding of geography. So we have included Baptist groupings in Israel and Palestine, as well as Egypt and Lebanon and Jordan and Turkey and Syria. And we also have a couple of churches in Bahrain and even Iraq. It was the wish of those churches and associations to join the European Baptists, for which the EBF is so much richer. Being part of this European Baptist family has enabled a lot of good things to happen. From a network that assists churches across Europe with helping victims of human trafficking, um, to getting young people from different countries to meet and study together, to campaigning for the freedom of belief in countries where such freedom is denied or restricted, uh, and to a joint response to the migrant crisis that we're facing, and so on, and so on. In fact, the Baptist Fellowship does not end with the EBF, with the Europeans. We have an ever, even bigger body um, that unites us, and it is called the Baptist World Alliance, or BWA. And that body unites around 47 million Baptist believers in 126 countries and territories. It's a truly global family. I had posted uh, the link uh, on our community Facebook page, so some of you might have watched the celebration of the B BWA Congress, which was held virtually this July. Some of you might also know that I have a privilege of serving as a chair of one of the Alliance's commissions. And members of this commission on worship and spirituality come from such diverse places as Nagaland in India and Nova Scotia in Canada and Austria in Europe and Jamaica in the Caribbean. An amazing array of languages and cultures and contexts which I hope can become more prominent when we gather to worship together. I don't know about you, but I find the whole thing truly exciting. On the one hand, we have such a global and diverse body of believers. And on the other hand, all of them have joined together out of their own free will. The primary task of working out the call of Jesus remains on the level of the local church, 
even though it lives in fellowship with other churches, in the local association, in the local Baptist union, in the larger bodies such as the European Baptist Federation and in the Baptist World Alliance. But it is very much a bottom-up kind of an arrangement rather than top-down. There are no directives that can be simply sent down the chain. Each church should exercise its freedom to interpret and administer the laws of Christ. But here's the thing. Because the power goes from bottom up, and because Baptists are quite passionate about the separation of church and state, meaning they don't receive typically any financial support um, from the state, their life together totally depends on their willingness to support such life with their time and money from the most local level to the most global. And this is where it gets serious. Such a vision of diversity and freedom demands a commitment from me, from you, and from all of us together. That is why we regularly celebrate our renewal of, renewal of covenant, as we will again next Sunday. Being part of a Baptist church is meant to be so much more than belonging to a local club or something similar. It is something much deeper, much more significant. It's the vision we heard described in the last chapter of Paul's letter to the believers in Rome. One of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. There's so much life we get a glimpse of in between all those names that Katrina read for us. I don't know about you, but I would love to know all those stories, each of their biographies. Paul starts the chapter by asking the Roman believers to look after Phoebe, the deaconess of the church in another city. She's the one who delivered Paul's letter to them and most likely read it to them and answered their questions. He asks the Roman believers to greet Prisca and Aquila, a wife and husband team who had worked together with Paul. As he says, who risked their necks for my life? He also sends greetings to the whole church that meets in their house. And he goes on, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and greet his mother, a mother to me also. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobas, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who are with them. All the churches of Christ greet you. What a wonderful insight into the life of these believers. People meeting in different houses, but sharing a living link of love with the believers elsewhere. That bond of love was for them the most important relationship of their lives. It's no exaggeration. It really was. It was stronger than their blood relations, deeper than their immediate family, more important than any of their business connections. It is for a reason that the first Christians started to call each other brothers and sisters. As far as the rest of the society was concerned, 
this was a shocking way of declaring their allegiance to the new family that God was creating in their midst. Jews and Gentiles, free people and slaves, men and women. All of them sharing life together, breaking bread together, and sharing in the sufferings with one another too. If you take this seriously, then it presents us with a real challenge. Are we ready to commit ourselves, to rededicate ourselves to something like this? It's a really bold vision we are asked to embrace. And I don't know about you, but I'm painfully aware how we fall short of the fullness of this vision. So many of us lead really busy lives and don't live next door to each other. So we see each other currently on Zoom once a week at best. Obviously, it's not necessary to live together or next to each other in order to share sufficiently, deeply in each other's lives. So as a church, we have to be willing to explore how we can deepen our life together so that the words we say about being God's family, calling each other as brothers and sisters, saying that we love one another, is a reality that could be clearly seen by those who care to look at us, see how they love each other. What can we do, even today, even this week, to deepen our bond, to share in each other's burdens and our joys. Being bound together by a covenant of common life also means a financial commitment. Unless we commit to support our common life, it simply won't exist. This is what enables us to have a place to gather when we do it in person. It's what enables us to have Katrina as our minister. More than that, not only do we want to give enough support to our own local congregation, we also want to do that for the wider church and its ministries. And that is why we belong to the Baptist Union of Scotland, which, as Anne was saying, in the next few days will also be gathering under a canopy, a joint virtual assembly. And that is why we support such ministries as the Scottish Baptist College and the BMS World Mission, a Baptist missionary organization. By the way, have you read in the latest key about our new BMS mission partner, Joy Ransom, who works training local teachers in remote rural areas of Nepal? Joy comes from Dumfries Baptist Church, another one of those many links we share between churches. In the past, British Baptists sometimes called their collection of money fellowship giving. I think it's a wonderful way to describe our concrete commitment to our faith and to our fellowship. And yes, it is nothing less than an embodiment of our faith. Zambian Christians have a wonderful song reminding us of, reminding us of that. I don't know if you know it, but this is how it goes. Everything is yours, Lord. Everything comes from you. All we have, we offer 
to you. Accept our love, Lord, we pray. Receive our gifts, Lord, today. So giving of all that the Lord has given to us in the first place is part of our faith. Again, it must never be a matter of pressure or coercion. And nobody will tell you how much exactly you should give. Our income and our circumstances will vary. Although the Old Testament practice of tithing, that is giving 10% of your income, perhaps after tax for those of us living in the 21st century, that can be a helpful guidance. Some of us will belong to uh, more than one church and will be supporting more than one church and will be giving in other ways to other charitable causes. I know that some of us, having thought about it carefully, arrived to the rule of thumb of giving regularly 5% of their income to the church and 5% to other causes. So each one of us can work out their level of giving, although nothing precludes us from having conversations about it. In fact, one way we should be countercultural is breaking that taboo of not speaking about money in polite company. Because each one of us is faced with the question, does our financial life speak of our faith and our covenanted commitment to life together? So here we are, brothers and sisters, in front of a truly beautiful and truly challenging vision. A vision of a self-governing and self-supporting local community of Jesus followers, interdependent with other congregations who also seek to be God's hands and feet in the world. And I cannot think of a better way to finish this reflection than by suggesting that we sing together. What we sing is an expression of our identity, and it is also what forms our identity. Even though it might have taken the early, early Baptists quite a long time to agree that singing in principle was okay, but they got there, and since then they absolutely loved singing. The hymn that we will sing was written by an 18th century Yorkshire Baptist pastor, and then it spread among Baptists throughout the world. It's probably only very, very few languages that it hasn't been translated into. It is as close as we've got to having a Baptist anthem. The story of how that hymn was written is also fascinating, but we will have to leave it for another time. For now, I'd invite us to sing it together as our own prayer of blessing the tie that has bound us all in Christian love. Or if it is easier for you to pray these words by listening, then do that. I'll, I'll lead us in that singing in a, in a very simple way. Or if you're still pondering the scope of the challenge, the cost of such a covenant, then may God be with you in your pondering. But here it is, the blessing of that tie that binds us all. Blessed be that tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. 
the fellowship of kindred minds is like to that before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers, our fears, our hopes, our aims are one, our comforts and our cares. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. When we are called to part, it gives us inward pain. But we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. This glorious hope revives our courage by the way while each in expectation leaves and waits to see the day from sorrow toil and pain and sin we shall be free and perfect love and friendship reign through all eternity Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers, our fears, our hopes, our aims are one, our comforts and our cares. With those words in mind, let us pray. God, who is like a father and mother to us, yet who is mistress mysteriously, more than either or both of these, we do indeed bring to you our prayers with as much ardour, authenticity and sincerity as we can. This planet, our home, and that of billions of other people and countless species is both beautiful and fragile. As news reports bring into our homes the struggle and suffering of people and communities around the globe, it soon becomes overwhelming and we don't know where to begin. The interplay of climate crisis and a global pandemic, the exploitation and exhaustion of natural resources, 
of violence and warfare fueled by greed and mistrust, injustice and inequity linked to gender, race, religion, and politics. It all feels like a, a muddled mess. Parenting God, teach us how to love better, to share the bounty we enjoy, and to learn from those who are different from us, so that we may glimpse more clearly the hope of a renewed creation free from sorrow, death, and disease. Today, we pray for the joint work of BMS with the Swiss organisation SAM, or SAM, in Guinea. A work so risky that we cannot know the names of those who have gone there to provide health education, training in IT and the English language, physiotherapy services, and support for small farms growing potatoes. We pray for this multinational, multi-ethnic collaboration as women and men bring good news through their daily labour. This week, the Baptist World Alliance asks us to pray for our siblings in Christ in the troubled nation of Myanmar. Specifically, we pray for the release of Reverend Tian Liang Sang and for justice following the murder of Reverend Kung Biak Hum and for all those whose homes have been destroyed. Into this terrible suffering and destruction, we pray for your peace and for your comfort, aware that these too are our siblings in Christ. We pray also for the Eurovision, European Baptist Federation as the Reverend Alan Donaldson begins his work as General Secretary. In this time of change, as other new officers are also appointed and of new beginnings, new dreams and new visions, may grace, wisdom and generosity of spirit abound. Nurturing God, teach us how to relate better, to deepen and to strengthen our relationships with others who seek to serve Jesus, so that with them we may be and bring good news to this small nation where we live and work. We pray for all university and college chaplaincies and for students settling into new courses and new contexts. Especially, we pray for the universities and colleges in this city and for the chaplaincy at the University of Glasgow under the leadership of Reverend Dr. Carolyn Kelly. Among our Scottish Baptist siblings, we pray for the congregations at Milestone, Montrose and Motherwell, each discerning how to be authentic in worship faithful in prayer and generous in service. Whether in evangelistic outreach, 
in the welcome of community cafes or in the rhythm of regular worship. We pray that they may be kept safe, given wisdom and held in love. Gentle God, we bring ourselves to you, each with our own unique stories, each shaped by our own experiences, each with needs known only to you. We come seeking the wholeness that only you can give, the acceptance that only you offer, the courage that only you can supply. Today, from our prayer diary, we lift before you these siblings. Jean R, Sophia and Norman, Ailey, John, Owen and Ethan, Margaret S, Mary and Ian, Nola, Jonathan, Idris and Casper, Jennifer, Neil and Jensen. Their stories are known to you. But we ask that you would assure them of your love and encourage to share our love with them in the days ahead. Commissioning God, as we have prayed, so may we live. Give us courage to stand up for truth and justice. Give us wisdom to know when to act and when to step aside. Give us love for each other, for our neighbours and for you, so that in everything we may speak and be good news. In the name of Christ. Amen.
May the God who is good grant us grace. May the God who is truth give us insight. May the God who is beauty fill us with loveliness. May the God who calls us bless us with hope. May the God who equips us bless us with courage. May the God who sends us bless us with love. And may our triune God, endlessly creating, continually redeeming, ceaselessly sustaining, be with us all today and always. Amen.